Good morning and welcome to chapel. We welcome you from wherever you are and however you join us today. Whether you come feeling well or feeling stressed, whether you come curious or with your mind made up, you are invited to this space. Today we light the peace lamp in this season of election for our feelings, our beliefs, our hopes, and our dreams, we pray for peace. Please pray with me. God, we thank you for being present with us in the different ways we come today, for those sick and pain in need of hope or in need of joy, we pray. We ask that you remind us of our identity in you as we face these days ahead. Amen. Let 
just what you say that you're good and your love is great I'm broken inside I give you my life give me faith to trust what you A reading from Lamentations. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, 
for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. And a reading from 1 John. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. This morning, we want to welcome Jan Bender-Shetler. Um, she's going to be speaking with us about her work and how it intersects with faith. She teaches world history, particularly Africa and the developing world at GC. Her research is on oral tradition, social identity and landscape, memory in the Western Serengeti, Tanzania, before teaching, she worked for 11 years for Mennonite Central Committee doing community development in Ethiopia, the Congo, and Tanzania. Courses such as ethnic conflict, global poverty, environmental history, and women's history reflect her desire to connect history with issues of current concern. She is married to Peter, has two children, and five grandchildren. So we want to welcome Jan to speak with us today. Good morning, everyone. Um, for the past year and a half, anyway, I've become the Director of International Education at Goshen College, and it's been a really crazy time to do that. But we're looking forward with great pleasure to reopening SST in Ecuador and China in the fall, and we're starting to orient those groups in the spring. During this time of closure, we've been working hard behind the scenes to come up with new options in the U.S., like the Native American SST that David Lind and Kendra Yoder are leading this summer, and we're trying to improve our program from top to bottom. But the real heart of SST depends on the incredible faculty from all across campus who lead our programs. And I'd like to take a minute to thank them for their commitment and their courageous leadership. Susan and Ben Satiawan will be leading the group going to China this fall. And Caleb and Nina Fox-Longenacre will be leading three groups to Ecuador starting this coming fall. And so, before I speak, I want to give you Caleb and Nina and have them say something to you before I start. Hola, soy Caleb. Y yo me llamo Nina, y nosotros queremos ser tus líderes para SST Ecuador el próximo año. Next month, we're going to be moving to Ecuador to help start prepping for SST for you next year. Here are the top five things we're excited about for Ecuador. Numero uno. Almuerzo. <laughs> Numero dos, walking uphill. Numero tres, 70 degrees year-round. Mm -hmm. Numero cuatro, a family that will love you from day one. Numero cinco, putting your foot in your mouth. Constantly. Constantly. <laughs> but seriously, SST is a different type of experience. We want you to get out from under the books and hit the road with us. We want you to experience the high highs mm -hmm. that SST is 
And yeah, we'll be walking with you on those low lows and because that is still a meaningful part of an immersion experience. Now, we see our roles as your leaders, as companions and, uh, and mentors, sort of as you embark on this um, individual and collective journey, um, filled with curiosity and learning and growth. And, uh, and, and we just wanna really be with you there, walking through this transformative experience. Now, I'm a Spanish teacher and we love living abroad. We love exploring um, warm Hispanic communities um, together. And so I've lived in Quito before. It's really an amazing place and I'm really excited to return and do so with students. Now it's clear to us that these types of cross-cultural experiences have over time really influenced our own faith journeys. And you know, it's surprising every time we travel, we find these small surprising moments that um, are transformative and growth and um, really help influence in us in the way that we understand our place in the world. So we're excited to extend an invitation to you. Now we have a number of students for our spring and summer units, uh, but we're still looking for students for next fall 2021. And we'd love to have you join us in South America. We are gonna have an absolute blast and we would love to have you come join us. We're gonna experience all that Ecuador is and that people have to offer. Mm -hmm. Oye, estamos en camino. No podemos esperar. Nos vemos. Nos vemos, muchachos. Ciao. Thanks, uh, Caleb and Nina. I'm really honored to be able to share with you this morning. And the many months ago when I agreed to do this, I didn't know that it would be this week that my parents would be moving to my home for my mother's hospice care. So please bear with me, um, I'm feeling a little vulnerable this morning. Today I wanna to share about my faith journey, focused around realizing my primary identity as a beloved child of God, and also realizing that every person I encounter and every one of you are a beloved child of God and specifically for the purposes of this chapel to share how this journey has been deepened and widened my relationships by my relationships around the world and close to home over the past 60 years. I found that I learn most and I search deepest when I'm confronted with ways of doing things different from my own. I've been fundamentally formed by close spiritual relationships with people who are not like me, theologically, culturally, economically, linguistically, or politically. I'm now in my second year as Director of International Education at Goshen College. I loved my work for 20 years here at GC as a professor of history and the study of African history in particular. But I agreed to work with the SST program at Goshen College because of my passion for the kind of learning that students can experience in this way. This learning nearly always extends beyond academic learning to learning about ourselves and reorienting ourselves, even in the spiritual realm. In fact, my own faith journey has been guided by significant relationships with people outside of my own culture and in distant places. So I'll divide my comments into four sets of wayposts on that journey 
rooted in very specific places, Haiti, Ethiopia, Tanzania, and in the U.S., Dove Creek, Colorado. So waypoint number one, Haiti. I grew up in the Mennonite Church, most of that time in Goshen, here at College Church. Before we moved to Goshen and after my father finished medical school and residency, when I was two years old, our family packed up and went to Haiti with Mennonite Central Committee for two years where my dad helped to open a hospital. So my passed on family memories often include a fairly trying but mind-expanding experience in what was for my parents their first foray out of the U.S. We went back again for a summer when I was in high school, during which time I was involved in a horrible car accident that could well have ended my life. That is all just to say that Haiti was a significant place for me growing up and became a really important spiritual waypost for me when I went to Haiti again on SST as a Goshen College student in 1974. It was in Haiti as a young adult that I began to develop a relationship with God rather than a set of theological or doctrinal beliefs. I've sometimes referred to this as my Damascus Road experience, like the Apostle Paul who met Jesus on the road and turned his life upside down. As a young idealistic student, I was determined to learn enough to solve the world's problems by my own grit. In Haiti, I saw the overwhelming need all around me, compounded by unequal and corrupt human systems that disadvantaged so many. I started to come to terms with my own privilege and the realization of my inability to bring about significant change in a complex world. One evening at my host family's home on service, I accepted the gift that was already there of God's grace and the realization that is only in my connection with God that I, could, that I can contribute to the greater good in my own very limited ways. I felt a huge sense of joy and relief in giving up that illusion of control and my own ego's need for getting things right. This sense of euphoria lasted after I left Haiti. And when I returned home, I was baptized right here on this stage at College Church, making a, prof a profession of my commitment to being a disciple of Jesus as Lord and the awakening of my own sense of being God's beloved. Waypoint number two, Ethiopia. The next waypoint comes in Ethiopia, where I experienced a further deepening of my trust in God guided by relationships with Ethiopian Christians who exemplified the transcultural community of God's people, even under persecution. After I finished college, my husband Peter and I signed up with Mennonite Central Committee to teach and work in rural development in Ethiopia with the Mesoretic Christos Church. That was back in 1980. We were embraced by this church and grew to love the mentors and friends that we developed as very young and inexperienced people who made a lot of mistakes. I was overwhelmed by the deep faith that kept those Christians going through very difficult circumstances and manifested itself in peace and compassion toward others. 
The church was growing exponentially, and especially among young people coming from Orthodox Christian and Muslim homes, looking for a deeper, more personal relationship with God. They faced arrest and persecution by the government, as well as their families and communities because of those choices. But all of this intensified one day when we got word that soldiers had come in to close the church offices in Addis Ababa and had arrested the executive committee of the church. The soldiers were expected and did come to Nazareth, where we lived close to the Bible Academy where I teached and the development office where Peter was working and arrested the church leaders there. Those tense days found us meeting with Ethiopian brothers and sisters in prayer, searching for ways to aid those in prison, and helping employees of the programs that were closed secure legal recognition. The church went underground, and it was too dangerous to meet with them for services. But we risked a lot, they risked a lot to keep us informed and let us know that our presence was a support and an encouragement. I was humbled by the commitment of Ethiopian Christians that came at great cost and their deep sense of community that was formed with church members when their own families had shunned them. Calling us brothers and sisters in this, con in this context had real consequences. Waypoint number three, Tanzania. The third waypoint comes in Tanzania, where my understanding of the Spirit's movement was widened and deepened by confronting a very different worldview. After leaving Ethiopia, we took some detours through Portugal and the Congo before landing in Tanzania for the next six years. Our first son was born in Ethiopia and the second in Tanzania. In our development work with local congregations of the Tanzania Mennonite Church, I was daily made aware of my reliance on both God and the community of faith that surrounded us. But it was in Ethiopia and then culminating in Tanzania that I came to terms with an expression of faith and a relationship with the spirit world that was very different from my own. With variations, of course, a common African worldview is that parallel to the material world, there is a very real and active spirit world that can and does powerfully affect our lives, whether in honoring spirits of the dead or of the land, experiencing spirits overtaking the body and speaking through it, finding healing in the spiritual realm, or being filled with the Holy Spirit in ecstatic worship services, speaking in tongues, prophecy, and exorcism. One cannot push these experiences aside when you see them happening to people that you've come to know, love, and respect. I came to appreciate a more expressive form of worship filled with amplified music, exuberant dance, and matching choir outfits. I came to respect pastors who knew how to help people who were oppressed by spirits and seeking deliverance or other pastors who called for translation of tongues to benefit everyone in the congregation. I'm still a person of my own culture, born and raised in a quiet Mennonite church, but the spiritual world I now occupy has been shaped by these experiences and relationships with the larger body of Christ. Waypoint number four, Dove Creek. After returning from Tanzania, I went to graduate school in Gainesville, Florida for my doctorate to study African history. 
But after that, and even before I did my dissertation work back in Tanzania, we moved to a farm outside of the tiny town of Dove Creek in southwest Colorado. This is the kind of town where most people had been there at least three generations and everyone knew everyone else's business. It, we began to form relationships in this community because our children went to school there. I worked with the local historical society. Peter was in the county offices doing GIS work and we joined the local Baptist church. Everything about this place was different from my growing up in Indiana as it was from Haiti, Ethiopia, or Tanzania. The people we came to know and love, who we laughed and mourned with, celebrated and strategized with, were conservative, both religiously and politically. Church leaders had little or no formal theological training. Few in the community had a college education. Most had not traveled, and few had larger ambitions than raising a family in Dove Creek. Indeed, we were very odd birds there. But those people opened their homes and hearts to us, <clears throat> giving us leadership roles in the church and consulting us on community issues. We came to know and love them as friends, brothers and sisters in Christ. Deep spiritual connections and relationships of love with people who do not hold the same beliefs as me, whether Pentecostals in Ethiopia or Baptists in Dove Creek, has made all the difference in who I am today. I'm grateful to the community in Dove Creek for their love, goodness, and spiritual integrity that reminds me every day to walk humbly. We left Dove Creek 20 years ago in accepting the job to teach at Goshen College. I want to conclude with some spiritual learning in the time of COVID, when we can't travel as a kind of counterpoint to the growth experience of constantly confronting difference. Over the last nine months, all of my busyness was stripped down to staying at home, meeting very few people face to face, and trying to figure out how to run an international education program when we can't travel. Once again, I was right back at that place in Haiti where I realized my utter lack of control and my reliance on God's love for me and for the world. As in Ethiopia during hard times, I was carried along by the support of my community in the church, college campus, family, and friends that kept me from despair, nurturing the flame of hope. It is during this time that I've turned even more intensely to the contemplative practice of centering prayer. I've been doing centering prayer for the past 10 years, off and on, beginning with my pastor, Dan Schrock, who introduced this to me at my church. The practice is a discipline of taking at least 20 minutes a day to sit silently in the presence of God. You say a prayer word or phrase to keep your mind focused and to gently push aside all of the, the distractions that your mind constantly throws your way. This is a silent prayer practice where you meet God's silence without words or petitions, simply to be in God's presence as God's beloved, as the ground of all being. It does not entail dramatic mountaintop experiences, but slowly and gently turns you toward a larger awareness of what it means to be your true self in God. 
All of us are beloved children of God. And we don't need to travel or move far away to find our connection to God that is already there if we just reach out and embrace it. Yet this time of isolation makes me ever more grateful for all those dear relationships with people around the world and reminds me never to take this gift for granted. May we all find ways to reach out and connect to others across the lines that may divide us and to God, who is our deepest center in this difficult time. Thank you.
Now, hear these words of benediction. May the God of all the world, all around us, give us peace, hope, and the greatest of all, love. Amen.